morning. Okay. Good morning. Ah, there we go. I know. I know. We. I know. A lot of us got up early this morning because of the because of the sirens. I'm with you. I woke up early, um, came over here um, so that you know I didn't get caught in a tornado at my house. So I'm with you. I feel you. I'm a little a little slow, but it's it's okay. So this is our fourth week of this series called Rooted, and I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, I'm a big note-taker guy, if you haven't noticed. I always have my notebook. Um, I have about two library book cases full of these things at my house, full of notebooks, um, so I'm a big note-taker. Um, I just kind of wanted to take a look back at some of the things that I got out of it. Maybe not something that you got out of it, but what I wrote down, I think it's important because it kind of leads into what I kind of want to talk about. Um, so the first week we talked about trust and obedience are fundamental to deep roots. And then second week, deep roots call us to have, uh, call us to leave what's familiar and, and, and secure. That's a big one for today, so remember that one. Um, and then last week we talked about um, deep roots help us understand that God's will never contradicts his promises. So that's, a, that's another big one. Um, in your in your bulletin, there's a note. There's a note taking section. I encourage you to use that. Um, I don't give you the answers because I don't like giving begin giving the answers. And so, take feel free to take notes about things that you like, things that you maybe don't like, things that encourage you, things like that. Um, so first off, I've, I've got a question for you. I'm a very I, I, I like questions. Questions are good. They get you thinking. Get your brain working on this early morning. So, here's a question. Have you ever been just doubted that you can do something based upon your circumstances? Have you ever been doubted? Said, oh, someone ever told you that, hey, I don't think you're going to be good at this because of this. Now, when I was in elementary school, um, I had teachers all the time tell me, hey, you're, you're probably not going to be very good at public speaking. Um, because you've got this thing called a stutter. So you're probably not going to be good at that. You're probably not going to go be a teacher or talk in front of people at all. You're probably going to want to sit behind a desk and do all that. Well, God's got a very good sense of humor, if you haven't noticed. Um, but it happens to a lot of us. Um, I, think, I think a lot about, um, when I was in college, I did some recruiting for the football team that I was at. We, we based a lot, about, a lot about who we recruited based upon how they looked. Um, our quarterbacks had to all be 6'1 or over. Um, linemen had to be at least 280 pounds. We rarely took them if they were under 6'2", 6'3". And then our quarterbacks and our receivers all had to run right around a 5'7", five, 5'6". Five, and we based our judgments and we, how good we thought they would be in our program based upon those numbers. But what's funny is you, the guys you thought were good go somewhere else and then they come and just beat you up for four straight years. Um, it's, it's bad. So we've all felt that way. We've all had that upon us where someone's just said, oh, I don't think you can do this because of this. Now, my next question is, 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 have you ever done that to someone else? 
Have you ever said, oh, I don't think that you're going to be good at this because I just don't see it in you? Now, I work with students a lot. Um, when I tell people, um, I just started a new job, and I tell people, oh, hey, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. And they're like, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you got to work with youth. And I'm like, why? They're pretty awesome. They're like, oh, well, it's probably hard for them, for you to, for, for you to have them do stuff. I was like, no, I had 20, I had like 15 students take a time out of their spring break to go pick up sticks. And they, they, they did the best job they could at picking up sticks. It's, it's awesome. But I feel like we as adults sometimes look at students like, oh, they're, they're too young to do this. They're too young to go make an impact on, on, on the gospel. Or we just, we just have that mindset. And I'm guilty of it, and I work with them all the, all the time. And I'm sorry. I apologize, guys and girls who are here. But we, we, we do that all the time. We base them, be, oh, they're too young to do this. They're too immature. They're too this. They're too that. But I, I disagree with that. I, I see it every day that that's not, that's not it. There's a, there are stories all, all around, you, if you read any, any, uh, Christian times or anything like that. There's stories of teenage students younger than what we have here, 12, 13, 14, in closed countries, countries where it's not okay to talk about the Bible, who are having Bible studies in their homes where their parents don't want them to. Their parents are fully against the Bible. But the kids are still doing it. They're still making, even though their circumstances say, hey, I, I don't think it's not okay for you to do this. They still do it anyway. And they're making impacts with their families, with their friends, with their community, and with all of these people just because they, they have said, God has given me this ability to do it. So, all right, this is your first writing moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the whole idea of what I'm going to talk about at the beginning so that when we read and when I'm talking, you understand where we're trying to go with it. So our theme for today that I, that I have is this. Being rooted means standing firm in the gospel no matter the circumstances. No matter the circumstances, that's what being rooted. So that's our theme. If you want to write it down, you can, but that, that's where we're going. I want, to, I, want to give you the, I want to give you a look at the finish line before we start. So... And then we're also going to take a look at three important questions that I want to answer today. Um, the first one is, what does rooted look like? What does rooted look like? And then number two is, how do we get rooted? And then the last one is, why does being rooted matter? So those are the three questions and the three themes that we're going to, and the theme we're going to look at today. I want to give you those up front, because then as we're reading the scripture, you can maybe be looking for some things and some important aspects and things like that. So we're going to be in 2 Kings, uh, starting in uh, 2 Kings 5, starting with the first verse and going all the way down to 15. And I, as we're reading this, as you're turning there, I want you to be looking 
at some of the characters that are, that are involved in this story. Um, notice who they are, notice how important they are, who's talking, who's not talking, and things like that. Just pay attention to the characters. So, um, in 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 1, Naaman, the commander of the army of the, uh, for the king of Aram, was a great man in his master's sight, and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Uh, the man was brave, a brave warrior, but he had a skin disease. Or some of your versions may say leprosy. Very serious skin disease. Um, it's amazing he could do all of these things. So let's, let's keep reading. Aram had, gotten, uh, um, had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would go to, would go to the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his skin disease. So, Naaman went and told his master that the girl from the land of Israel had said, therefore the king um, of Aram said, go, and I will send a letter with you and the king of Israel. So he went and took, took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 chains of clothes. So, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it, and it read this. When the letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Nahum um, for you to cure him of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes. I find it funny that the king sent clothes and then the king tore clothes. Did anybody else find that? Is that our irony? I just think it's hilarious that, oh, here's more clothes that you can tear. Okay. Um... And said, and, and he asked, "Am I God killing, uh, killing, and giving life that this man expects me expects me to cure the man of his skin disease? Think it over, and you will see that he is only picking a fight with me." Now, when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent a message to the king: "Why have you torn your clothes?" It's a valid question. Why would you tear your clothes? That's, clothes are expensive. Why would you tear them? But Let's go on. Have him come to me, and he will know that uh, there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. Then Elijah sent him a messenger and said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean. Now the Jordan River is not that clean. It is not a very clean river. Um, you don't. It's It's like me telling somebody to go bathe seven times in the Arkansas River. You, you, you don't want to do that. It's nasty, it's dirty. And so rightfully, Naaman, we continue, we see Naaman's not really happy. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I will tell myself, um, he will sh surely come out, stand and call on the name of Yahweh his God, and he will have his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. Aren't, um, Aba and Potiphar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in rage. But his servants approached, and he said to, said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should it be, um, should, it, should it, when he tells you, wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and, and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the command by the man, of the man of God. 
Then the skin, his skin was restored, and because the skin, like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. Then Naaman and his whole com- company went back to the man of God, stood before him, and declared, I know there is no God in the whole world except the one in Israel. Therefore, please accept my gift from your servant. All right. Test time. Get, who are some of the characters that we saw in this story? Naaman, yes. Who else? Servant girl, yes. Elijah, yes. Who else? Servant, the king, yeah. Lots of really big and important people. Now, we first meet Naaman in verse 1. Naaman is a pretty terrifying-looking dude. He's not, he's not a terrifying-looking guy. He's a terrifying-looking dude. <laughs> you know those guys that are just huge, and you're like, that's not a guy, that's a, that's a dude. Like, he's just big. Like, like, at the gym, there's some guys that are they're dudes. They're just big. Naaman's one of those guys. Um, he's the commander of the Syrian army, which at the time was one of the most powerful armies in the world. Um, and he had all of these victories, all of these victories, but he had a fault, and his fault was his skin disease. Now, um, in, in my version, they talked about how, in verse 1, that the Lord had given him victory. It's amazing to see that the, God is already using someone broken to do amazing things. So, um, we see Naaman. Naaman's a pretty powerful guy, but Naaman's not the guy I want to talk about. Verse, it's actually in verse 3. Verse 3 is the most important verse in this entire 15 verses. And it's the verse I think we're going to camp on for a long, long time. Um, I'm going to read verse 3 one more time. She said to her mistress, I'm, I, if only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria and would cure him of his skin disease. This, this servant girl, who is probably no older than maybe 15, 14, somewhere in there, it's hard because we don't get much context about her. We don't know her name. The writer of 2 Kings doesn't feel as important for us to know her name. We don't know her age. We don't know exactly where she's from. We know she's from Israel. And we see that this is her only, like, if you want to classify it, it's her only line in the entire Bible. And what does she do? What does she do with her entire line? She points someone to the power of God and his healing power. That's all she does. Now, let's take a, look at, take a look at the servant girl. First off, she's a girl. In a very male-dominated society back then, she's a girl. She's young. She's a teenager. She's a teenager. She's young. Why would anybody show any importance to her if she's a teenager? She's an outcast. She's in Syria. She's from Israel. So she's an outcast. We see, we see that. She's not, she's not somebody who you'd be like, oh, I should definitely listen to that person because they're from Israel. 
Now, if you're from Syria, you don't listen to people from Israel. You don't listen to teenagers. You don't listen, you don't listen to females. Um, and then she was a slave. She was the lowest of the low. Like, you, like back then, you couldn't get any lower than a slave. There were, there were animals who were treated better than slaves. She had all of this working against her. All of these things. And yet, Naaman still listened to her. Yet Naaman still listened to her. Her circumstances weren't the best. If we, living as a slave in Syria, as a teenage girl, as an outcast, her, her, she, she was not in the best of state. So for her to say, she probably hadn't been there that long, let's Let's give it a couple weeks, maybe a month or so. So she was still trying to, you know, when you're somewhere new for the first time, you're kind of feeling everything out. You're like, I don't, I don't know about that person. Person, you know, like, like with me, I'm, I'm that way. Like I have to feel people out. Like I, I have leading questions, you know, try to figure out if, if we would be compatible as friends. Um, I feel, like, I feel like she was probably doing that still. She was still new enough. She was still awkward enough. She didn't know what she was doing. But yet, Naaman still listened to her. And she was still bold enough to go out and say, hey, I think, I think you should hear about this prophet who can heal your skin disease. That's amazing. She had no power. She had no position. She wasn't important enough. She had no items or anything for her to be, oh, you're, you're important. I should listen to you. But yet she still did it, even though her circumstances didn't help. How, how often do we find ourselves using our circumstances as excuses. I mean, a lot. Oh, I'm not old enough to do that. I'm not young enough to do that. That's, that's my favorite. I'm not young enough to do that anymore. Mm, I think you can still do it. Maybe slower, but you can still do it. You know? Or, hey, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> this is... This is my favorite one. Oh, you're single. You can't do that. You need a wife to do that. That's, 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 that's been my favorite one for a while. Um, so we let our circumstances get in the way of what God has for us. But this girl, this teenage girl, didn't have that. She didn't let her circumstances get in the way. Now, maybe you've got some extraordinary, extraordinary, I learned that this morning, extraordinary, whatever, circumstances, words are hard, circumstances that are, you're like, Corey, you, you, you don't know what I'm going through. You, you don't know my circumstances that I'm going through right now. I, I can't serve God. I can't be rooted enough to do the things that God wants me to do. I disagree. If there's a 
teenage girl who is 14 years old, who is a slave, who has no money, is an outcast, and is a, I keep saying, a female and a male-dominated, there, there is no reason for Naaman in his right mind to listen to her. But God has this plug in Naaman's ear. I says, hey, maybe you should, maybe you should listen to her. She's got something going on. There's something different about this girl. You know, she's not like any of the other slaves that you bring. You know, she's actually willing to say things. Now, Naaman being you know, the powerful guy that we talked about earlier, like the super important guy, he was the king's favorite guy, you know, he was the one that always went into battle and fought all the, fought all the battles, two swords, I guess. Um, and he was probably feared by everyone in Syria. Like, that, I, I, that's, that's the, that's the goal back then. You want to be, like, if your name came up, name it. If you just say his name, he, that brings fear. So he probably had this fear about him. And he, within his lifetime, he had probably had hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of doctors, um, people come and try to heal him. And yet none of them succeeded. None of them succeeded. They tried to resolve this flaw that he had, this skin disease. He tried to do it himself. And yet nothing succeeded. So this girl probably knew that. I mean, if you have a skin disease, you, you try to heal it pretty quick, right? You, you try to get rid of it, right? Yes? No? Okay. Just, I'm just making sure you're awake. I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to help you out. I like to help people out. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. You know, you try to heal it. And so he, he keeps on healing it. And this girl probably knew that. Oh, he's, he's tried all of these things. You know, if me saying anything, I, that's not going to do anything. But yet she still did it. She still even though she knew and there was no reason for her to say, hey, I th- here, here's another way for you to try it. You know, like if you, have something, like if you have something that you're trying to heal or trying to get and people are like, oh, hey, you should go try this or you should go try this or you should go, it kind of gets annoying, right? Yes? Okay, thank you. I know, I'm annoying, it's okay. So instead of being... Um, Instead of being quiet, in all of these circumstances, she wasn't. Now, there's this, in verse, now, the king of Israel, the guy that ripped his clothes, um, he's pretty angry, right? Has anybody been so angry that they've ripped their clothes? No? Okay, good, I'm not, I thought I was the only one. Because that's, that's weird, right? But that, that happens a lot in the Bible, if you've, uh, especially in the Old Testament, they rip their clothes because they're so angry. And, you, and you're wondering, why is he so angry? He, there's just this guy coming from Syria. He probably has this big reputation of this, you know, fighter. He's coming over, and I'm supposed to heal him. Okay? Now, what happens if the nation of Israel can't heal Naaman? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? 
bad. There we go. I like to make sure you're alive, too. Um, It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. It's not a good thing if Naaman goes over there, takes this long journey to Israel, and says, hey, I need you to heal me. Oh, we can't do that. Naaman probably wouldn't be very happy. Now, it's like, it's like when you go to your favorite retail store and they don't, you, you, you know, on the internet it says, oh, hey, you have this product, right? You know, like Brad was looking for asteroids for a long time and he went to a whole bunch of Walmarts and then it's like, oh, hey, your internet site says that you have this asteroids thing. And they're like, nope, we, we don't have it anymore, but, but you said you, you have it. And... Brad was probably like, okay, I guess. Brad probably wasn't happy that he drove all the way. I hope he didn't tear his clothes. That's weird. But it's the, it's the same way. If Naaman would have come, if this, if, this, if this girl would have said, hey, Naaman, I, need you, I want you to go to the nation of Israel. There's a prophet there that can heal you. There's a prophet there that can heal you. He's got the power of God who can heal you. First off, if, that, if they were unable to heal him, the girl probably would have gotten in a lot of trouble. In a lot of trouble. And back then, that's probably an act of war. If they, oh, one of your people says that you can heal my guy and you don't heal him, there's probably going to be a giant war. It's just bound to happen. But the girl still took that risk because she knew that the power of God would work. Why? Probably because she's seen it in her own life. She'd seen it in her own life before, that God would, would work in her own life. Again, we don't know much about her, but for her to be that confident, even in those circumstances, say, hey, there's a guy that has the power of God who can heal you. For her to be, she had to have seen that in her own life. Now, that, that happens, we, there, there are times where we see God work in our own lives, right? Like, I see, I see God work, I mean, it's super summer season, and so I always see God work at super summer. Every single year, no matter, without a doubt, whether I have kids or I don't have kids, God works at some point there. Like I've said before, that's where God vacations during the summer, is in Salina, Kansas. We, I continue to see God work at that camp, but yet there are times where I struggle with the idea that God will work in my own life. God will work in my life. Whether it's, you know, you know trying to get ministry stuff all together. Whether it's in my personal life. You know, whether God will provide, you know, the amount of hours that I need to live, to work, to have health care, you know, all of those things. I struggle sometimes with God showing up in those times. But yet, I, I have seen God work multiple times. But this girl, this teenage girl, had, she had seen God work in her life and so that she knew that God would work in this life, in Naaman's life. Now, Naaman, Naaman goes there, goes to Israel, does all these things. There's a second, there's a second s- 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 
uh, important person. It's the second servant. Um, I love it how God uses the small people to help the big people. How, how often, that happens all the time. He uses those tiny people, those servants, those slaves, to help push the big people. The, that second servant says, hey, you're kind of being a not nice person. That you're, you're not being nice. Why, why are you making this big deal that, that Elijah didn't come out and make this big grand thing about how he was going to heal you. He just told you to go wash in the river seven times. That's pretty easy, right? How, but how often are we like Naaman sometimes? We expect God to do this grand big work in our lives, and it doesn't happen. But he works in those small little chips. Those, he, he chisels off just a little bit of that work. Right? Am I? Am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you catching what I'm trying to put down? Yeah. Awesome. I want us. To, I want you to really understand that this this girl had no reason to even say anything to Naaman whatsoever. No reason whatsoever. She wasn't. She wasn't even his slave. She was his wife's slave. And so Naaman had no reason to even listen to her. And so I think we've been talking about this, what it looks like to be rooted. That's our, that's our first, that was our first question, right? My note takers, was that, was that our first question? Yes. I didn't get confused. Yes. Winner, winner. That was our first question. What does rooted look like? Rooted looks like that 14-year-old girl who even in her circumstances understood that she had a, she, she, had, she had this, she had to share God's power with somebody. That's what rooted looks like. Now, maybe in your own life, maybe your circumstances are hard. Some of you, there, there are. There, there are people who are having money issues, health issues, try, trying to pay for college, um, home issues with all of the rain, and now with this giant windstorm that came through. There's all of these circumstances that we're going through. Everybody has them, whether they're big or small. We all have them. But even in those circumstances, we've got to be rooted in the gospel. We've got to be. Because if we're not, we're, we're just going to get blown over. Who, who are my really big baseball fans? No? Nobody? Does anybody know the number one used wood bat? It's ash. Ash. Ash is one of the most popular bats, A, because it's super cheap to make. It's really, really strong and sturdy. But you want to know what the funny thing about ash trees are? They don't have very deep roots. I think their roots are about a foot to two feet deep. Does anybody know what the second most popular baseball bat is? No one's going to know this. This is hard. It's maple. Maple. 
Maple trees don't grow that tall. Does anybody have a maple tree in their, in their front yard? Maple trees don't do, grow that tall. I have one in my yard. It, it's not that tall. It's pretty short. But you know how deep those roots go? About 10 to 12 feet deep. My tree is not even 7 feet tall. But the roots are almost double their size. And that leads us to our second question. How do we get rooted? How do we, how do we get there? Some of us, that's an easy question. Some of, it's, some of us, it's not. But when we take a look at this servant girl, we see that she, she got rooted because she had seen God work in her life. She had been rooted since that point, And she had been growing in that ever since. And your roots grow when you continuously say, okay, God, I've seen you work before. You can do it again. You can do it again. And, and, when, and when we understand that, we come into this relationship. This awesome relationship with God where our roots are growing. We may not be getting very tall, but our roots are growing. We're growing. We're, we're seeing all that growth. We see that in that girl. She, I... If, she, if that girl was anything like the 13 to 14-year-old girls we have in youth group, she was probably this tall, give or take a couple inches. I, I think of most of our girls are right around this tall, right? You guys have seen them. They're all about that tall, right? Yeah? Sarah's laughing at me because she knows all of them. Or she has most of them, so. But they're not that tall. But most of them, her, but her roots were so deep because she had seen God work in her life. Now, what's our third question? Where's my, where's my cheat sheet? There it is. Why does being rooted matter? It's a, it's a valid question. Okay, I'm rooted. Yes, you say that to yourself. I am rooted in Jesus. That's awesome. But why is that important? Why is that important? Why, why, did, why, did, why do we ask that question? Because we see that no matter how small you are, no matter how low on the totem pole you are, no matter how unimportant you are, God can still do big things with you if you're rooted. If you're rooted in the gospel, God can still do big things. Because we see, we see in verse... 15, Naaman came back to Elijah. Now, he didn't, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to come back to Elijah. He could have just went home. He could have claimed his victory of not having any skin disease anymore and just gone home and gone on doing what he did of being an awesome warrior. Could have done that. But he didn't. This girl had such an impact on his life. That he, had to, he had to go back to Elijah and and shout as loud as he could of how good God is. And that was nothing that Elijah did, nothing of the messenger that Elijah sent. It was all because of this little girl who took the time out of her day, and even in her circumstances, she took that and said, hey, 
you should go to Israel and listen and learn about learn learn about God. This little girl changed the life of a big big man. Guess what? We can have that same impact if we don't let our circumstances get in the way. If we stop saying another favorite saying, "But God, but God, but God, I, I don't, I don't, but God, I don't have the money to do that. But God, I don't have the time to do that. But God, I don't want to go overseas and share Jesus with people. That's, that doesn't sound like me. I don't, you should let somebody else do that. But God, I, I don't, I don't want to share the gospel with my coworker. Hmm. That that sounds like that sounds like sounds like a you problem. Sounds like a anything I just said, I said to myself at one point. Anything I just said, but God, I don't have time. I say that a lot. And yet God somehow finds time. I think there's times where he adds an extra hour of sleep just for me sometimes. I, I, I don't know if that's right, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flow with it. So stop saying, but God. Because you could impact someone's life by just a small statement. By saying, hey, how was your day? How are you doing? Or, my favorite, um, my roommate does this to me all the time. Hey, you look nice today. It warms my heart a little bit. It just makes me feel, it makes me feel important. And you, and you don't know what kind of sprout that's going to make. You don't know what kind of seed that's going to plant. That, that's going to lead to more conversation, maybe, with, with someone who God has put on your heart. But it starts when we stop letting our circumstances get in the way of the gospel and of us being rooted in that gospel. So if you got anything out of today, I hope you got this, this right here, this statement. Being rooted means standing firm, not like wobbly-nobbly. Standing firm in the gospel no matter the circumstances that you might be in. And that, that's hopefully, because what's funny, I've always, it, it, I always found that whatever you're preaching about, or whatever you're talking about on a Sunday or, or a Wednesday, God seems to somehow work that into your life that week. It's, it's hilarious. It's great. Like, like I said before, I've, I've been transitioning to a new job. And learning new jobs is never fun. And so it's like trying to drink from a fire hose. Trying to drink, and that, my head gets all confused and stuff like that. But what's great is that since I'm transitioning to a new job, I have to explain to people that this job isn't the most important thing that I do. And they're like, what do you mean? Oh, it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. And they're like, oh, what does that look like? Well, I have this awesome opportunity to share Jesus with students every single day. 
That's the answer I give every single time. And they're like, what does that look like? Now, it, it would be easy for me to be like, oh, I'm busy. I got, I got to learn all this new freight technology and all, all this other stuff for me to just, because this is a conversation I had, I think, Thursday. I had this exact conversation where we got to sit, sit down and talk about what it looks like to share Jesus with students. And I got the opportunity to share Jesus with that person. Did they, did they end up saying, oh, dude, I, I want to do that? No. But we, I, 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 I had the opportunity. It's going to plant a seed. It's going to create bigger conversations where God is going to work in his life at some point. I have a feeling about that. And then there's other things that, that are going on. And so I'm a big, big, big song guy. Big song guy. I like to have a song for every sermon that I do. Um, if, you're, if you ever come in on a Wednesday, we usually have a song, like a theme song. Um, there's, there's a song that's on the radio right now that I think pertains really well to this. And this is what I wanna, wanna, uh, one of the last things I want to talk about. It's called Symphony. It's by Switch. Some of you may, may not, it, this may not be your cup of tea to go listen to, but if you want to go listen to it, go listen to it. It's a great song. But I just want to read the chorus. Um, I'm not going to sing it. No one wants to hear that. I just want, I just want to read it. Because even in the madness, there is peace. Drowning out the voices all around me. Through all of this chaos, you are writing a symphony. A symphony of me. But to be able to withstand all of those winds, we've got to be firmly rooted and standing in the gospel. So, if you are, um, if you're wondering, how can I get, how can I stand firm? How do I start doing that? I've never been able to do that. I feel like I'm being ripped out every single day. And I'm just falling on the ground. My roots aren't deep. If you want to know how to do that, we're going we're gonna to transition into a time where this is going to be an altar. And there's going to be a bunch of people down here who would love to talk to you about that, about that opportunity of how can you get rooted. So if that's something that you are interested in, or if you feel like you are letting your circumstances bring you down, I challenge you to use this altar as a place to put those circumstances up here and, ha- and give them away to, to the creator of this universe. So I'm going to pray, um, and if that's something you want to do, I, I would love to talk to you. I know Danny and, and Brad would love to talk to you. If you just need to use this just as an altar, um, go ahead. So I'm going to pray. Father, you are, you are so good. Um, Lord, I just, I just want to thank you for that little girl, that 14-year-old girl who was bold enough who, who is not afraid of the consequences and the things of her circumstance. And she boldly proclaimed your name to a, to a guy who didn't even need to listen to her. And Lord, I pray that even in our circumstances and in our world, that we would leave those circumstances aside and stop saying, but God, start saying, okay, God, 
let's do this. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who is struggling um, or who needs to know what it's like to be rooted, that you would just be working on their hearts, um, you'd just be talking to them. Lord, I pray if there's anyone who just needs to give up the circumstances that they feel like they're trapped in, I pray that you would just give them boldness just to come and just come before you and say, here, Lord, here is this. Lord, I pray that you would just be continuing to work in this time and, and just in, in all of this, Lord. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen.